I think I think the thought process of it was hard because you know this is someone you started with. You don't want to um, damage your relationship or hurt their feelings. But you know when when we both considered what we were doing, like this was an, a huge experience, and we had both already given up so much just to be out there. You know, I'm not, we're, we weren't going to ask that of each other to continue to give things up for for each other i think it was kind of a you go do you you go hike your own hike i'm gonna go hike my own hike welcome to the hiking through podcast I'm Erin Egan, and this is the podcast where I talk to experienced thru-hikers about their adventures on the trail and strategies for successfully completing a thru-hike. Today's guest is Nurse Betty, known off-trail as Jamie Siebold. She was part of the PCT class of 2013, and to stay connected, she now section hikes, having revisited the Campo to Tehachapi section this past summer. In this episode, we talk keeping your feet clean, how northern Washington should never be underestimated, why splitting up on the trail to hike your own hike is so important, and the business she started making reusable wipes to help give back to the trail. You can find this episode and all previous episodes at hiking-through.com, where you can also find show notes, photos, and links for any gear mentioned in this podcast. You can also listen to us on Apple Podcast and all the other podcast places. Enjoy my conversation with Nurse Betty. Jamie? <laughs> I'm so glad we finally connected. I know. it's It's been a little while. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. You know what? It's life, right? Exactly. Exactly. Time. Time is this right? bizarre thing. It is. It is. Sometimes you wake up and it's next month and sometimes it goes so slow. But you know what? Here we are now connecting. So exactly. what's what what's it to you what's time so <laughs> time <laughs> is relative are. as uh, Einstein used to say uh, yes and you know what I don't even own a watch like so that says a lot about me like I don't wow. own one I don't wear one like I'm not a I've always been told I have um an incredibly poor concept of time so like, yeah <laughs> I take no I take no offense to, <laughs> to things taking a little time so, so anyways, let's chat. What's going on? Um, I'll let you go. Okay. Well, looking looking at your your stuff, obviously there's there's two really big topics to talk about here. One is uh your what did you call it? Wonder wife? <laughs> Wonder wife. <laughs> Wonder Wonder wipe. wipe. Though it could be Wonder. called a Wonder wipe. You, if you're wondering what it is, it's a wonder wipe. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. How many different ways can we play with those words? I know a lot, a lot. <laughs> You've probably heard them all at this point. I have. I I do, and I talk about P-Rags a lot. So, <laughs> so how about talking about them some more? Oh yes. Um, what would you like to know? I'm I'm kind of a P-Rag um, expert. <laughs> Perfect. Because literally, it's so funny, though, because these it seems 
so not to, you know, to quote Homer Simpson, don't like, it seems so obvious. I know it. it is obvious. And, and it, it, it's been a little bit taboo. And I think now is a great time to be introducing these things with the whole leave no trace movement. Like yeah. I, yeah, it's, it's really fun talking to someone the, um, for the first time with no idea what they are. And then it's even better. Somebody that's used them before. Like it's, it's kind of a thing. Once you're a PRAC user, boy, that's like all you want to talk about. And you want to tell <laughs> the whole world how amazing they are. <laughs> what about you? Are you a PRAC user? I am not currently, but I've had no oh. need to be AP reg user. Okay. okay. However, obviously, with uh, with my goal of the PCT next year, there yeah. is now a very good reason. So okay, good, good. I'm excited. I'm excited for you. And and they're not just for the trail; they're also great to use at home. So that's a good place to start. Uh, seriously, like just just. If you're curious about them, mm-hmm. get one, try them at home. And I, I really, I think you'll be impressed. I think you'll be sold. Like you save so much money on toilet paper. You you realize how much toilet paper you waste. I mean, it's not just about cleaning up the trails. It's really about the environment. And, and, and toilet paper is not really that sustainable. So yeah. there's a lot of different reasons to, to go with the P-Rag. Why did you first go with the P Ray? <laughs> <laughs> well, I same boat you're in right now. I'm I'm planning a through hike for the next year. I through hiked the PCT in 2013, and like part of the fun, you know, is getting your gear list together, researching gear. Like that, I love that part, the trip planning, and. I had read about P rags. I wish I knew where. I wish I could give somebody credit, but. I had read about using P-Rags and I thought, oh, I think I'd like to do that because I don't want to pack around toilet paper and it seems really simple. So I just went out and, you know, tried some different fabrics and back then ended up with just a microfiber towel and I still have it. I carried it through the entire PCT and yeah, I, I was, I was sold. It was, it was an easy switch for me and I, I used it and I, I absolutely loved it. And then you essentially invested, it became your life's work. It did. It did. I, I, this was about five, what, five or six years ago, 2013. Um, Seems like longer. So yeah. I know it's, it does it. Maybe it is. But anyways, yeah, I was always tweaking it. I was always like, oh, I wish it was this size or I wish this, you know, this fabric kind of smells or it's just not. I, I was having a hard time finding the perfect pea rag. And I thought, gosh, dang it. I really wish someone would make something that, that you know, that, that works. And I just had this epiphany one time when I was out backpacking thinking, you know what? Well, maybe that person should be me. And mm-hmm. so I, I decided to go home and, and really, really start researching and really start playing around with some different designs and made this long list of, you know, what I thought w- would make it great. And that's where I started. And then, and then you've, I mean, you've evolved it over the course yes. of time. I mean, cause I was, you know, looking on your website now um, mm-hmm. you know, and you've got the attachment on it and you've got the, the hand side versus the wiping side. And 
Right. Yeah, those were all just things I thought, what is going to make this functional? Um, is this something I would take on a through hike? Is it going to last? This isn't just for a day hike. I wanted to make something that was going to be really essentially a way of life, um, hopefully for, for women and, and backpackers and day hikers. I mean, it's for anyone who adventures outdoors and for home use too, which is a, another passion of mine is to just, just eliminate the need for toilet paper. Well, and let's, for people that don't know, this is for number one. Yes. <laughs> I I get a funny look on people's face when I'm talking about them and I realize I should explain that, that it's just for use after you pee. Right. There's <laughs> um, a reason why it is called a pee rag. Exactly. Exactly. I, I get some people that think it's just when I say replace toilet paper, that can be confusing, yes. but replacing toilet paper. Yeah, I, I just, I was so tired of seeing it on the trail and mm -hmm. at trailheads and behind a bush. Like, yeah. I thought, come on, you know, ladies, we can do better. We This is, and it's mostly women leaving these little toilet paper patches everywhere. So that was another major driving force to to get these out into the world and that's what I've been working on for about the past year it's been a lot of fun well what's so interesting to me is that literally nobody except Merrick has has mentioned it to me really yeah literally so, nobody's so wow so you're definitely new to the world of p-rex <laughs> I am certainly new to the world of p-rex but I'm but yeah I'm also very interested in the fact that I love anomalies and and I'm very yeah. interested in the fact that literally nobody has mentioned it. And I, I've got to assume that there have been some people who have used it, but oh, nobody has yeah. got to mention it. Right. Well, P-Rags have been around since, you know, cloth was invented. Before that, women have been using different materials, different things to wipe with just to keep mm -hmm. them feeling a lot more fresh you know this isn't toilet paper wasn't some amazing invention it was just an improvement <laughs> on something else that was that was is now disposable right so in a way we're reverting back to <laughs> to some some really old methods but as far as backpackers go P-Rags have been around for a really long time and they've been made out of some homemade crazy funky things shirts, flannel, <laughs> socks, like people, women, oh have been, women have been coming up with, with all kinds of great material. So, but I decided I'm going to do some research. I'm going to find some great material and I'm going to go for it and, and see what I can come up with. So now what do you, what is it made of that? I don't even know what the proper terms are, but that, that yeah. keeps it, Hypoallergenic, I guess, is, the, is that the term? <laughs> yeah, uh, hypoallergenic. So what I discovered was bamboo fabric. And after doing some research and shopping around for fabric, I, I came across this bamboo fabric. And it was being used for um, to make sanitary napkins for women who don't have access to disposable ones. So I thought, well, I'm going to buy some. I'm going to give it a try. This might be exactly what I'm looking for. Finding out it is naturally antimicrobial. It's antifungal and hypoallergenic. So, I mean, that makes it really, yeah. really great to wipe with. I've used a lot of different fabrics, and I was so stoked when I came across this. 
started using it, started testing it. It doesn't smell. It it has some longevity, which is nice. Um, and it keeps these really great qualities throughout multiple washings. And not a lot of fabric, uh, not a lot of antimicrobial fabric does that the more you wash it those qualities go away but because um, bamboo fabric comes by these qualities naturally uh, it lasts and so that was a big thing for me to check off like imagine me starting a few I, I want my gear to last I don't want to have to replace and I don't I want to get what I pay for and so the bamboo fabric was it was perfect perfect I just love it and it's super soft it comes in some fun colors it's more absorbent than cotton and it's most 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 importantly because what I'm trying to do here it's a sustainably sourced crop meaning you don't have to replant it it can grow up to three feet a day so it was just a it was a no-brainer like like, this is perfect this is what I'm what I'm going to use right bamboo grows like a weed it does bamboo it's like hemp um, and I, I, I hemp a little bit too. I have, I have that as an option, but it is, it just, it's, it's way more sustainable than, than trees and cotton and, and other things that go into toilet paper. So it was a great fabric to replace the, the toilet paper. And okay. Not to, to get geeky, but I'm totally going to go there. <laughs> I was seeing on your, on your website, you've got <laughs> now the, the clip that's got the, uh, stretch or the. They're retractable. Yes, yes. retractable. <laughs> so as you're going to find out next year, the trail gets really crowded. Um, and as soon as you have to pee, somebody's going to walk around the corner. And this really <laughs> does help. This really does help to make the process just go super fast. You don't have to take your pack off. You just attach it to this little retractable clip. Do your your business. Grab the wipe. Wipe. And, and you're Snap on your back. way. It also... Yeah, it's it's just super fast and it's just it's always right there. And I I used the clip on my through hike and, and loved it because you know you get to discover a lot of great things about your bladder and, and how <laughs> you, you, you kind of lose control over it and when you have to pee it's not, not like, Oh, I'll wait for a while, it's now. So it's really nice to have that right there. You just grab it, you go because there's not much time when, when your bladder tells your brain it's time to empty me. Like it's, it's time. <laughs> you don't have much time. So you got to have your stuff right there already. And it's just, it keeps it super handy. Like we were saying, I mean, it's basically hanging off the outside of your pack. So yeah, the sun yeah. is also drying it. The sun is also doing whatever. Yeah. The, the sun sterilizes, right? The light. Yeah, the UV. Yeah, the UV rays definitely, yeah. definitely help. I'll kind of lay it out, let it bake on a rock, and um, it, it helps with the the dry climates. It's really nice. In the wetter climates, you you need to kind of turn it inside out, let the sun or the wind dry it out. But this fabric goes several days without being washed, and when you it is time to wash it, you just give it a rinse, and and you're good to go. Yeah, yeah, it's super easy to take care of. Which for uh, for through hiking is is uh, the key at this point, right? Yeah, easy. Like just minimalizing your your gear list, minimalizing the things that you need, and then the care the care of. You want something that you have to wash, um, and this is nice. You just can either use some boiling water, just pour that on there, and give it a rinse. Obviously, nowhere near a water source, but yeah. But just just give it a rinse and let the sun and wind dry it out, and 
and you're good to go. It's quite refreshing to use wet too, by the way. So it's yeah, I can <laughs> it'll, it'll, yeah. <laughs> when it dries out, then you go to the next town. You can sell them in the wash too. They they are machine washable. But again, if you're just out on the trail, there's no need. You can just give it a rinse and you're you're ready to go. No must, no fuss. No must, no fuss. That was on the list. <laughs> I don't want. I don't want another chore. I want something oh, easy yes. to take care of. And yeah, it's, I, I that one's checked off. Beautiful. And I, I'm assuming <laughs> that. So what was the what was the color or pattern or whatever that was hanging from your pack this summer when you did the desert? That one was. Oh, that that one was the green one that that the Canuck Outdoors carries. So I do have a couple of companies that have exclusive colors that that are just for them. And I did carry that one when I did the desert this, this summer. Which begs, the, I guess, the question, where mm-hmm. can people find this? Where can I find this? You can find this on my website, uh, wanderwomangear.com. And I've got a couple other companies like Canuck that will sell an exclusive color combination so you can look up through them purple rain skirts super awesome company she makes adventure skirts definitely look into that for yours who hike next year i take her remnant fabric from her skirts and upcycle them into p rags so that's another option that i have is an upcycled version with her water resistant fabric they're super cute so i have a lot of different options on my website when you go Mm -hmm. check them out because we're all different we're all unique you know you don't want the same thing everybody else has so i have several different colors several different styles from the waterproof to just a minimalist design i don't know i just wanted options I like options and I wanted options for everyone for the gram counter all the way up to <laughs> the cotton ones, which are really good at home. It, just, it, it does matter. It does matter that some people can up all their, their little grams and that's just something that, that, that I think helps them feel like they're, they've got their style and that really matters. So I've got extra super light and then I've got your, your still your basic ones, but they're all, they're all really light and much the, the same weight of carrying toilet paper, use toilet paper in a Ziploc bag. It's, mm-hmm. it's all the same. With less you don't have to throw it away. Less gross. You don't have to throw it away. Yeah. And you don't have to pack out all that gross toilet paper and it saves trees. It saves trash. It saves garbage. And yeah. nowadays we really, we really need something like that. Yeah. I, I was kind of chuckling silently about your, your comment, you know, in terms of people wanting different colors, they don't want to look exactly like you know, whatever. And, and yeah. you think about like everybody is essentially carrying, you know, like some variation of the same six packs with the same six color schemes. Right. Uh, but you're For this right. will accessorize, yes. you know? It do- yes, you're right. It it does accessorize. It does it does stand out. And that was the other thing too. Either either women are just super excited to carry these or I also wanted it to be discreet for the mm-hmm. woman who's not really sure she wants everyone to know that this is a P rag. <laughs> so she doesn't want to advertise. No, so not everybody wants to advertise until you fall in love with them and you want to tell everybody. But it does it it does take away the it it lets it blend in. It doesn't mm-hmm. look like it's it's not advertising. It's a P rag. It just looks like something drying on your pack, yeah. and that was important to me to make it all inclusive. 
and just for someone who wasn't quite sure and I wanted them to get over that hurdle and and just kind of maybe have a neutral color yeah it it kind of looks like a bandana hanging off of your pack or something it does. It does. And that, that brings up another good point, too. A lot of women do use bandanas, and I get that a lot. Like, well, my bandana cost me 99 cents. It works just fine. But until they really, <laughs> they, until they try a different fabric, I think they realize uh, that, that it maybe doesn't work so awesome. And I don't know, the bamboo has some, I mean, the, the I'm sorry, bandanas have some interesting chemicals in them. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't know. I think this is just a, just a, an upgrade. Go ahead and upgrade yourself. Yeah, treat yourself. Exactly. <laughs> You're a through hiker. You don't treat yourself with very much other stuff. So treat yourself here. No, exactly. And 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 it's a great way to help you feel a little bit more clean, a little yeah. bit less dirty. It it really does make a difference. The whole shake it off method. Or or what? It's, <laughs> uh, we're talking we're talking peeing out six months at a time. So you really need to have your system down. I mean, the shake it off and the things like that. Your your random material might work great for multiple week adventures, but you got to prepare to live outside. And so I think this adds to the whole personal hygiene, which is really really important to keep your body healthy not just just having yeah. something to wipe with but keeping your body healthy cuz that's it's really important if if you want to make it to Canada or vice versa if you're going southbound it's so funny i'm enjoying having this conversation so much it's it's almost like a sick little pleasure i'm having here so good i <laughs> it's fascinating once you get into the world of of these things it it really is it's it's fascinating and i'm glad you're having a good time it's a good topic yeah i'll i'll have to put a little <laughs> uh disclaimer on the intro so guys you may not want to listen to this one <laughs> but who knows maybe you do I think so, because you know they see toilet paper on the ground thinking, what? Come on. I think guys are sick of seeing toilet paper just as much as women. And surprisingly, I do sell these to men, too, because they make great sweat wipes. They make great, just great little extra camp towels to have. So they're they're not just for, for women. They're great. They were geared towards women, but I've had some men buy them and say, you know, I didn't realize that I would like this so much, but it's nice having just something to clean myself up with. Have you, have, speaking of that, actually, have you had people use it, you know, because obviously one of the big things with general hygiene is, you know, potentially uh, keeping your feet clean or, you know, mm-hmm. some, doing some very mm-hmm. basic washing, shall we call it? Um, yeah. Have you had people using yeah. your, your regs for that too? Yes, definitely. It, they make great little camp towels, um, fantastic sweat wipes. You know, when you're sweating and it's running in your eyes and you're trying to use your gloves or your sleeve, um, it's really nice to have like the minimalist version that I have, which is just a swath of the bamboo hanging from your, your shoulder strap to wipe and for the runny nose. <laughs> mm, um, yeah. It's really good for runny noses and it's really soft. I know I used to I just get in the habit of using my glove or my sleeve and it makes my nose raw. Hmm. So uh, a nice soft piece of, of fabric is, it has multiple uses. Yeah, exactly. Well, I could probably go on ad nauseum about this topic because I'm having so much fun with it. 
I, I thought it, it would probably be a good thing to to talk a little bit about the PCT since you've now, you know, been on it a little yes. bit. Yes. Yeah. And this is a hiking through podcast. So exactly. Yeah, I'd love to. My second favorite topic, talking about <laughs> backpacking and through hiking. <laughs> now, this summer you just did the desert section, right? I did. Um, I did Campo, California to Tehachapi. You know, after my through hike several back in 2013, I could go back once a year and do some kind of section. It's it's really hard not to. It's it's just kind of home for me, the, the Pacific Crest Trail, definitely. And it's in my backyard, so I'm constantly out there doing another section. And I just go out and do the desert this year for fun. And it was quite an adventure in the desert. Lots of snow, lots of rain. It was really cold. Um, so it was it was really fun to experience it like that. The, I have done that section two other times before, and it was just hot and dry. So it was, it was beautiful to see it in a different way. It felt like a different trail? It did. It felt like a different trail completely. Um, so, what, 2013, and then two years later, I went back and did it. And this year, it was... Um, it was just, it was completely different. It was busy. There were loads of hikers. What, like 7,000 or so permits issued this, this year. So, oh my gosh, it was, it was crazy. There was a lot of people out there. I, I, I don't think I was really prepared for that. I was prepared for everything else, but the, the crowds, but I met some really fun people and, and it was great. It was good. Doing the section hikes, is that your way? Because so many people that I talk to, you know, they they get out and do the first trail, you know, for mm-hmm. whatever reasons that they have. And then they get addicted to the life and yeah. the trail and, and that kind of stuff. And so then they end up doing another one or the same one again or, you know, some variation mm-hmm. thereof. Um, so is is these these longer section hikes your way of of getting back to the trail without having to do the the full on commitment that a lot of people do where their life is just sunk into trail? <laughs> Yeah, it it really is. It's it's definitely an addiction. It's definitely a call. It's just it's constantly calling to you. Um just just needing to be out there and just needing to be out there for days and days and days at a time and as many many months as there. It's just something that it really it it changes you so much and it's always going to be a part of you and i just think no matter where you're at the trail calls to you so i i go back as as much as i can to as many different places as i can were you expecting that when you did the when you did it the first time no i there were, there were so many unexpected things but no i i was not expecting that i think the hardest part of my first through hike was being finished of the thousands of miles it was being done and then what and so yeah that was it's something that i always i think about it all the time and every time i go back i just i feel like myself i feel like i'm home and you just don't really get that off trail. So it's important for me to go back. How, how have you been able to, or is it literally just through these section hikes, carry back into civilization, shall we say, the (laughs) stuff about yourself that you've fallen in love with being on the trail? 
yeah, that's a, that's a really good question, and I and I think that a lot of a lot of through hikers experience that. But you know, for one, I go out there so I can come back and function in society. It's a way to, I guess, recharge myself, recharge my batteries, so to speak. But I I think you need to. If that's what your heart desires, I think you need to go back, and I think you need to spend some time there. And if that's that's the place you feel like is home and, and your recharge, I think it's important to listen to that because, yeah, being finished again is a hard part, and coming back and functioning into society is a real issue for for a lot of people. And I'm trying to find that balance, you know, trying to find that balance of what you want to call the real world or who you were bringing that person back to real life with you is a challenge and it it can be done. You're still the same person. You're just in a different place. And, and that's, it takes a, it's an adjustment, but it's doable. (laughs) I I feel a little bit like in, in talking with so many people now that the person that, that they, you find through doing the trail through section hiking or even, you know, the full through hike of the trail, that person mm-hmm. that you fall in love with, that person that's on the trail, who you are on the trail, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, it's sort of like, it's like a love affair with anything. It's really yeah. hard to give it up. It re- Yeah, it really is. It's like breaking off a relationship you're not ready to let go of. That's what the end of the trail is. Like, even if you know it's coming, uh, you know the end is near and then it comes and oh my gosh, it, it's so hard. But, and it's, it's, there's a lot of ways it does shock the system. So I, I think I'm, I'm loving how we've got all of these discussions about, you know, post hike. Yeah. And I, it's a real, it's a real issue. And I think it's great that directors can stick together because you need each other. You need each other just as much off trail as you do on trail and just being, having someone to talk to that understands and that, that you can laugh with it about, cry with it about, talk to each other about it. But it's, you need to keep in touch with those people or reach out to people because it's definitely a real issue. And I can speak from experience. It, it doesn't really ever go away. <laughs> and I don't mean that in a, a, dep- a depressing way. You, you it, it changes you in so many ways um, and it sticks with you. And that, it can be a good thing if you just turn it into something positive. It's funny. I was I like what episode two two episodes back. I was talking to Lonnie about this very thing. Um, yeah, and and about how important it was to have those people to have those connections because you've you've become addicted mm-hmm. to the connections that you make these nice, solid, wonderful connections you make on the trail and and maintaining yeah. those. Which yeah, they're go ahead. No, I was going to say which is probably harder in the world that we live in now with the technology and the text messaging and the, that type of stuff where, where it feels a lot of times like we're not really connecting. We're still connecting. So you, yeah, you are, you're absolutely right. Like it is so much about connection, connection with people you meet and connection with yourself. And that I think is what people struggle with back in you know, life off of trail is that, that deep connection with yourself and that deep connection with other people, because you don't have those crazy stimulations. You don't have the traffic, the radio, the TV, you just, you don't have all of those stimulations. And on the trail, you are 
such a true version of yourself. All of your senses are just completely fine-tuned and I know you're just able to connect with things and people on a on a totally different level and then when you throw yourself back into noise and traffic and bills and just life you lose that connection and it's really hard to get back what sent you out onto the trail in the first place like what what pushed you there it was one discovering what through hiking was um a friend of mine and I kind of came across it together and we thought wow there's this trail that runs from mexico to canada people spend months and months out there doing this i think it sounds like a great idea let's quit our jobs sell everything we own and (laughs) and do it how did your parents (laughs) feel about that (laughs) oh yeah they, they get my sense of adventure but um you realize you go out there and you find other people that think this was a great idea too. So yeah, um, it was, it was, it was fun to meet people like that, but yeah, we, we both discovered through hiking together and I'm so glad we did. And life hasn't been the same since. What was your first day on trail? Like that back in 2013? Uh, it was, was, uh, it was not a rude awakening. I'm seriously, the first five miles in, I was so happy. I was so excited to be out there. And it just was such an amazing feeling of, I don't, I think learning how to say yes to adventure and say, saying yes to the things that you really want to do. And, and the moment that I said yes to myself that I was going to attempt a through hike, it was just such, it was an incredible feeling and it was so exciting and it i don't know it wasn't the shock came later but you know <laughs> initially initially i was in complete heaven i thought are you serious like i get to wake up to this every day like it was it was a really good fit for me which begs my question um mm-hmm. since you say wake up to this yes are you a cowboy camper or are you tent or are you a combo? I'm a combo. I, I cowboy when I can, but sometimes yeah, I'm, I'm probably completely 50-50. Sometimes I want my little nest and my little tent and I just want to zip it up and, and be in there and nice and cozy. And then other times when I'm, I don't know, out on this beautiful place, I just want to lay under the stars and, and enjoy it that way too so you know you go through a lot of emotions I think on a long hike and it's nice to have the option of a tent or I don't know sleeping outside under the stars is is nice too or if you're feeling lazy I don't know Uh, sometimes I'll sleep on my tent not in my tent Um, (laughs) on your tent (laughs) oh yeah they, they make great ground cloths you just roll it out put your stuff on top of it and sleep on your tent I'm I don't know why I do that but Something I decided was a good idea. Do you carry a ground cloth with you? No, I don't. Just the tent. Okay. Yep, just the tent. So, so usually I'll just lay that down, and and that's my ground cloth. Like, like it's going to keep bugs off of you or anything. It's not, but it does help protect your your mattress. So, what are you using right now for like tent and sleeping bag and mattress? Mm, my, I've had the same rest for six years. I wow. it's still go. I know I take excellent care of it. I think 
the key to that longevity is I, I put my rain jacket down underneath it because I sit on it a lot, sit on it to eat or whatnot. But I do, I think that's what's kept it good for so long. So my Thermarest, I love that sleeping pad. Um, I'm using a Z-Pack Soloplex tent right now. It's kind of like a little coffin, but it's just enough for me. It's just <laughs> everything I need. I I like that. And my sleeping bag is of the, uh, the Sierra Designs, not the backcountry, the cloud. So it has just a zipperless flap. So I, I can't do zippers. Zippers drive me crazy. Um, and this doesn't have a zipper. It's just got a really nice quilt that you can wrap around yourself and then it also covers your head so it's kind of a hybrid but a brilliant design I love it right it's it's basically like a mummy bag without the zipper so that you have the flap that opens or you tuck it into yes okay exactly yeah exactly you can pull it off when you get too hot you it's got a little slit at the bottom where you can kick your feet out if your feet get hot so it's really good to thermoregulate um and it's super warm. It's super comfortable. And the no zipper. The zipper actually is mm-hmm. a, a lot of weight and you really don't need it because they just break. So, yeah, I love my bag. <laughs> I don't like stuff that breaks. You're the first person that I've talked to that's, that uses this bag. And I've seen it online and I've been mm. really interested in it. But yeah, it's hesitant to pull a trigger. Yeah, it's I'm a cold sleeper mm-hmm. and it I think the rating on it is I don't know 20 it it's ridiculous. Sleeping bag ratings like that's a whole nother podcast. But <laughs> sleeping I bag heard. ratings are such a joke. I don't even know what how they come up with this, but yeah, this bag is rated for freezing or something like that. Well, I'm freezing when it's maybe 40 or 50. So it, it it it's a little bit on the cold side. So when I know it's going to be cold, I'll bring a silk liner and then I'm fine. But okay. yeah, the bag sleeps a little bit cold, just just so you know. But oh, it's it's so comfortable. It's so light. I love having the coverage over my head. I don't think I could go for a, a quilt. I just I don't think I'm. I think I would be too cold. But this is a really nice in between. So. Yeah, if you can get your hands on one to try it, um, I, I highly suggest it. I definitely should because it, it looked really interesting kind of for the features that you were talking about. Yeah. But one of the things that I was wondering about, though, is, you know, on the off chance that you get warm, mm-hmm. you know, the quilt only goes da- or the, the flap only goes down so far versus being able to yeah. unzip farther down, I would I would think. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, yeah, the quilt goes down to about your waist, which really that's where you're going to release a lot of heat anyways, is your upper body. So you just pull it off of you um, or just create some kind of a draft and it's it's nice. It's just because the temperature can change throughout the night or nice to be able to have that option to keep yourself comfortable. Yeah, that is my struggle. Uh... I know this whole sleep system thing is, it's a science and everybody's different. So it's pretty exciting when you find out what works for you. Well, and it's, and it's exciting now that there are really so many options. And so people oh, can really so, mix and yeah. match. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's so many, so many options out there. And, and when you get out onto a trailer in that kind of environment, you get to see what everybody else is using. And then you get all of this like gear envy. Exactly. <laughs> 
So it's like, it's a great way to see new gear and what other people are using. But I think it's great. It's it's best to find someone who maybe sleeps like you, who has the same temperature as you if you're a cold sleeper. You know, I think you can dial in your gear when you when you find someone that's a little bit similar. Then you can go from there. What is so funny about you saying that, though, is like I say that I'm a cold sleeper, except yeah. I'm at that stage now where I get night sweats sometimes. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. And, you know, it'll be middle of winter and all of a sudden I'll start sweating and be just throwing things off. Um, oh, to yeah. Try to cool down. But it, but yeah. it's also relative. You know, like me saying yeah. I'm a cold sleeper versus you saying you're a cold sleeper. Yeah. How do those things actually match up? And there's really no right. way of knowing that unless you're on the trail <laughs> sleeping next to somebody. Right. Like, I was cold last night. Well, I was kind of warm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and the good thing is, too, you're, it's repetitive. Yeah. When, <laughs> I mean, it's not like you're at home and you maybe get to change your sheet for a different comforter. Like, it's it's repetitive. So you figure, okay, this base layer is what I'm going to sleep in, or no base layer. Or I think, yeah, you learn really quick what works for you, kind of what your system is. And that's what I like, liked about doing the desert first because you have access now to so many towns like if something's not working you can really you can really easily get something else or trade something out so the first 500 miles really is just i think getting your your system dialed in well and, and as some people have said to me it's all about systems you know, there's mm-hmm. there's a system for sleeping, there's a system for food, there's a system for walking, there's a system for, you know, whatever yeah. that you need to do throughout the day. Yeah, exactly. It is. And you've got a lot, a lot, a lot of time to perfect it <laughs> and think about <laughs> it and fine tune it and find out what works for you. But it is everything. Everything has its system and everybody is, everybody is completely unique. So uh, but that's part of the fun. It can be a painful learning curve, but I, gosh, that's part of the fun. I would go back to my first 500 miles any day if I had a time machine. I just was, it was a fun time to learn. You know, you just you don't know what you're doing, but gosh, it was it was fun. I could I could see the uh, like when I was in school, they were talking about like FedEx and and some of those companies would have a study about the most efficient way to do things. Yeah. You know, no time wasted, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I could totally see that somebody whose brain works that way, like the trail would channel that OCD of it all. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Even if you didn't think you were ever OCD, you find yourself being obsessed with these, the most random things, you know, like, okay, I didn't realize that. Mine became, I became obsessed with my feet, like keeping them clean. Like it was, I don't know. It was just something, it was my job or I think it filled a void of something, but I just completely became obsessed with keeping my feet immaculate. How would you possibly do that on the trail? Oh, constantly washing them or not. I can't say washing them because I didn't use soap or anything, but I like, again, like you said, your system, I have these different, I take, I probably in my gear kit, I, I normally carry three different camp towels. So I can wash with one, rinse with one, and then dry with one. And it's just (laughs) something I'm obsessed with. (laughs) 
So I carry this is that all about little... your feet, or is this actual all bo- full body stuff? Well, it's now it's full body. It's it's kind of full body. I like to I call it my shower before I go to bed and, and like kind of clean up because I just I feel so much better and sleep so much better. But yeah, it was back then. It was it was just my feet. I think I became ultra focused on them. <laughs> but now I just like to be clean. That's. I, I don't know. It's probably taboo in the through hiker world, but I <laughs> to be I don't like to be super dirty. I don't know why. I just feel better being a little bit rinsed off. There's never a clean, but you can be right. kind of rinsed off. It's a relative <laughs> thing. It is. It is. It is. But you find your comfort level, and that's that's where you exist. So, what were you doing, or what do you do for your feet to keep them relatively clean? And and have you had issues in the past with like blisters and things like that? You know what I did, but it, that was part of figuring out my system. And um, I so I discovered a waterproof version of these trail runners that I loved, and realizing you know they were still breathable, but that something about that waterproof quality didn't get my feet dirty like the trail dirt like it's constant and that dirt is what creates friction which creates the blisters so finding that system of not having that dirt in my shoes eliminated my blisters and so I stuck with with that shoe I use the Engenji socks which work really well for me that's a love-hate relationship either you love them or you hate them but I'm upside love I love the Engenji socks they work really well for me so that, and then my obsessive compulsive disorder of washing off my feet, I think, I think keeps them pretty healthy. Did you have any issues once you came off trail with them soreness or discomfort or loss of feeling in them or anything like that? The most disappointing was none of my shoes at home fit anymore. <laughs> that was a real bummer. Uh, my my feet. You got caveman grew- feet. Yes, my feet grew a size and a half. And so none of my, uh, yeah, they haven't gone back down. But I think soreness, yeah, that that was around for a while. First, it was soreness because I wasn't moving. I just was kind of laying around and still eating cheeseburgers. And I think... As we are wont to do. I know. So you have to keep moving. You have to keep that that system that your body is used to. you so I kind of I I didn't I wasn't going to go out and hike 25 miles a day but you need to stay active and so it was an adjustment but I really I was blessed I I didn't have major foot issues I figured them out early on and you know I I feel like I got pretty lucky as far as my feet go was like 25 miles kind of your a good average for you yeah 18 18 for sure and 25 was always my goal. You always have like a plan A, B, C, D, E. <laughs> but like, okay, I, I know I can do 18. That was consistently my goal. 25, I felt really good about myself. But, you know, sometimes you stop earlier or there's just different variables. But, yeah, that, that seemed to be I – would, I would break it up in, in five-mile increments, like five miles break, five miles break, five miles break. And then after 50. Yeah, then after my 15 miles, I would kind of gauge where I was at and 
look at look at what the terrain was up ahead of me and then make a plan of you know maybe where I wanted to stop if it was going to be by water or so that was that system really worked for me so 20 was was always doable so it was either a little bit shy or a little bit more but outside of the sierras which is a mm-hmm. whole different beast mm-hmm. how how long was that taking you like 15 or 20 miles generally how long uh, during the day or or maybe the better question is how long were you generally hiking during the day yeah so i as as soon as i trained myself to get up early because i always wanted to make 10 miles before 10 o'clock it was just kind of a Again, you you set these little micro goals <laughs> that, <laughs> that that just gives you something to do, something to think about. But if I could do ten miles before ten, thinking, okay, another ten miles is going to be easy. But really, I was I was looking as the sun was going down. I was looking for a place to sleep. So I, I couldn't say exactly what time it was because, like, I never knew what time it was. <laughs> But I could right. tell when the when the sun was starting to go down, my body was winding down. My body clock said I'd probably done X amount of miles, and I was looking for a place to sleep. Yeah, but during the summer, that can be really late. Yeah, so that's a good point. North. Yeah, that's definitely a good that's definitely a good point. So, when, yeah, when you're going further north, and it always seems like the sun was in my eyes when I was trying to look for a place to to lay down, but it was. Definitely hiker midnight would have been around eight o'clock for me. So that probably put me to bed by six or seven. Like stopping basically. Yeah. Stopping. Yeah. Stopping being done. And that consists of setting up my tent, eating and going to sleep. (laughs) I wasn't a, I didn't read. I didn't do much else. It was when I was done, I was done. It's almost like you flip the switch. You're done. Yeah, ex- yeah, exactly. That's your routine. Walk, eat, sleep. And when you are not moving, you're either eating or you're sleeping. So it was it was easy once once I was on the ground to go to sleep. Did you do stoveless or stove? Combination. I did a combination. I ditched my stove. I just realized I I didn't I didn't need it, and I didn't like the time it took. I ditched my stove by middle of Oregon. I stopped okay. using it. Yeah, I stopped using it, found out what I, my body really wanted or what I was hungry for. And I think by, by Oregon, your body's pretty efficient and you really know what works for you. And it was just a matter of getting calories in. So I just went with things like a lot of cheese, a lot of um, summer sausage, peanut butter, just the basics. A lot of, lot of Pop-Tarts. <laughs> so what was your body craving? My body was craving... A lot of um, it was usually a cheeseburger, pizza, and salad. <laughs> uh, that's like what I would obsess about. But on the trail, I wanted salt and I wanted pop tarts, and I just I ate a ridiculous amount of pop tarts, a lot of summer sausage, and a lot of cheese. It was just kind of a, a cheese, a summer sausage, cheese, and crackers combo. <laughs> I, I would eat that for lunch and dinner. A lot of, and then a lot of pop tarts. Were you rotating between the flavors of pop tarts, or or did you find something that you just dialed it in? No, I you have to rotate because like nobody, I didn't, I didn't send myself a lot of food, so you just had to take whatever the stores, whatever they had. I wasn't really picky at that point. So did hiker hunger hit you pretty hard? It did eventually. I lost my appetite 
early on, um, which was really frustrating. I, I don't know why, but I nothing sounded good. I would pack all this food and just sit there and stare at it. And they, just the thought of eating it made me feel nauseous. And knowing my body needed it, knowing I needed it. And I've talked to um, some other women or a lot of other people that that's happened to them. They, they just will sporadically lose their appetite. And it can be really frustrating and really draining. But then things turned around for me. Um, about Agua Dolce, I, I really got my appetite back. And I would say in the Sierras, the hiker hunger definitely hit. Like I would dream about eating food. I would dream <laughs> at night I was eating food. I would, you know, wake up at two o'clock in the morning. And it's like you could feel that last calorie drop, leave your body. Like you could feel that. And all of a sudden it wasn't a matter of just grabbing a snack. Like you had to eat. And that was, a, that was an interesting feeling of your body just demanding food and feeling what it's like to actually experience hunger you know I don't we don't really experience that here luckily I had never really experienced hunger in that form and it's it, it was it was fascinating and and yeah it was, it was really interesting what did you learn about yourself in the midst of your hiker hunger um what did I learn about myself in the midst of my hiker hunger I think I learned how much I truly love eating and how fun it is as a woman to be able to eat literally whatever you wanted. That was a lot of fun to not care, to order as much food as you want, eat as much food as you want, just without, with zero guilt, with zero care in the world. That was a lot of fun. I, I, I have to say that was one of my, one of my most favorite things was just to completely just eat and, and love it and not care. <laughs> Did that translate off the trail at all? I mean, obviously oh, not the same quantities, oh, but... No, unfortunately. No, unfortunately. I've never been that way in my life. I, I've always had to be careful what I ate. So <laughs> getting off the trail was quite a shock. I, I wished I could still eat like that. I did for a while. <laughs> it didn't turn out so good. So, yeah, it's... I think... I, I missed through hiking a lot just because it was fun to be able to eat what you eat whatever you wanted. I, I heard somebody or say that it created a dysfunctional uh, relationship with food. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I, I can imagine that because you you mentally you get to eat like that and anything. What is it? Thirty days for a habit. So you're consistently eating like that for several months and then your brain and your body enjoying that that amount of food and, and eating whatever you want i can see why they would say that because that's it definitely it has that effect on you you get off trail and all of a sudden you have to to really rein it back because you're not burning those calories and you really mm -hmm. need to you got to slow down in other words you're gonna one feel sick but also pack on some pounds <laughs> Well, and, I, and I'm assuming that it took a little while once you got off trail mm -hmm. and we're doing the levels of exercise for the hiker hunger to go away as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, the level of exercise, but also your body uh, uh, um, as a complete system, just needing that, that food because you've got the muscle, you've kind of got the whole um, it's not just, I think the exercise, but in the constant walking, but your body just turns into something that 
it just needs constant fuel. And then when you are sedentary, you don't need that fuel as much anymore. The body is a machine, basically. Yeah, it is. It it does turn into this. It feels like by the time maybe 700 miles, your body does just turn into this this machine. And it's like your car. You got to put gas in it to keep going. And I, I think that was, it was fascinating to find out what your body is capable of and watching it change, um, looking at yourself in the mirror, every town, you're like, wow, oh my gosh, who is this person? But that was, that was a fun transition to go through. You, you sound like somebody after my own heart where yeah. you're, you're, you're very much like paying attention to the changes, to the details, to the, yeah. the process of, huh, like really interesting. I would, That must have happened there and that must happen there. And Yeah, yeah, you do. I think, and like we were talking earlier, you know, your senses completely change. Your priorities completely change. And, and you now have time to focus on, yeah. you know, you're not just eating because it's breakfast, lunch, and dinner or you're bored. You're eating because you need to and you're doing things consciously. You you know, once when you go back on the trail just to visit, you remember things. You remember where you took a break. You remember who you met that day. You remember what things were like just because I, I think your thoughts are so clear and you just remember everything so vividly. You feel things. You remember things. It's just a, a completely different level of consciousness, which is it's amazing what you can retain and what you can remember. Even years, years and years later, you can go back and it just, it all comes flooding back. It just gets to live in this part of your brain. And that's part of the experience too, I think is collecting all of that information. Does it feel a little bit like a deja vu type of thing? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like, you know, you've been here before, but then all of a sudden it just, yeah, you just remember, you can remember the most random things it's it's amazing yeah going past a log or coming to an intersection you just have these weird flashes of who was there who you were talking to it just yeah very vivid it's it's quite fascinating what was your or what is your trail name nurse betty (laughs) (laughs) oh you got to tell the story what what is the story here I'm not a nurse. Uh, my name is not Betty. But so I had never seen hikes before. And, you know, whatever you pack your fears, I was clearly afraid of dying or something. Like I had a crazy, crazy first aid kit. I was also a veterinary technician. So I had access to a lot of things. So I packed a lot of, a lot of different things because I didn't, I didn't know what to expect. But I had a really, really large first aid kit and (laughs) eventually started just giving things away. Obviously, I didn't need it, but I found homes for quite a bit of it. And that's how I picked up the trail name Nurse Betty because I I was nursing people. Yeah, I was prepared, but I was also giving it away to a lot of people. I was like a Band-Aid and drug vending machine. So that it was kind of fun helping people like, oh, yeah, I actually do have an inhaler. <laughs> but I did. I wow. seriously did. Somebody needed it. And I gave it to them because I didn't need it. And then eventually I was just down to just Band-Aid ibuprofen. But gosh, I started out with um, an embarrassingly huge <laughs> first aid kit. Hey, you just you never know. Now I do, but I didn't then. <laughs> right. I, I could totally see 
you as were sort of the vehicle for the universe. Yes. You know, medically on the trail that year. Yes, exactly. And people were like, seriously, oh, I, I missed that. should be alone. Like, ask her if she has that. <laughs> oh, yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah. As a oh, matter of fact. As a matter of fact, do have butterfly bandages. As a matter of fact, yeah. So it was fun. It was fun sharing that with people. It was fun giving stuff away. And, you know, it lightened my pack, but it helped other people. So it was a win-win. <laughs> and I imagine that because of that, or or because of the fact that you are, you know, you have medical supplies, you're providing assistance to somebody yeah. who needs something who they would probably, for which they would probably never think would be able to be found on the trail. Right. You're, yeah. you're hearing a different side of stories from people, you know, mm. as they're trying to explain mm-hmm. to you potentially why they need this thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It was, it was, it was um, a a great way to get to know people and you know misery loves company too and we're all kind of suffering in our own way and yeah and it was really nice to have something someone thought oh my gosh like like was experiencing nausea or something i literally had something for everything and so it was it was a good way to connect to other hikers how long did it take you to get down to the bare essentials <laughs> uh i would say kennedy meadows that's when the decision time comes, like what you need, what you don't. And by then I, yeah, by then I didn't replace most of the stuff I gave away. So mm-hmm. it really got pared down, but you know, by the time I, I hit the Sierra, it was decision time. And I, I sent a lot of things home. I, I really minimalized and definitely lightened my path there. It was like the last, I felt like the last chance maybe to, to get rid of a few things. It was so interesting to me, particularly with the PCT and probably the CDT as well in that respect, is mm-hmm. there's such distinct areas. Yeah. You get through the desert and the desert is sort of one way of hiking and, and stuff like that. And then you get into the Sierras and, and the world changes on you. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Which is, I love, which is part of what I love about that trail is the layout. I'm not saying the desert is easy, but you don't have massive elevation changes. So it's a really good time to, to learn your system, to understand, you know, what your body needs. Those, those 700 miles are, are really nice just to, to learn. And it's a, it's a relatively safe place to learn. You've got a lot of roads, a lot of really bad things can happen, but um, it's a great stretch to get familiar with you know, through hiking if you've never done it before. It's a, it's a good place. It's a little more forgiving than, say, starting out in Washington where you don't have roads. You don't have a lot of exit strategies. You don't have cell phone service. The, the desert section, you've got cell phone service. You can call where you've got. It's just densely populated. So that, that is what I love about that trail. It's constantly changing, but it seems like the way it's laid out, by the time you hit some of the really tough terrain, you're physically fit, you feel really good, you can go. After that, you get to enjoy Oregon and like fast forward <laughs> and just go <laughs> cruise. <laughs> and then by Washington, you know, you really have to have your shit together. A lot of overconfidence happens in Washington because you've come so far and you feel so amazing. But boy, Washington, it's full of it's full of twists and turns and it's, it's a lot harder than I think you think it's going to be. And 
I know it's good. It's good to have that towards the end because you're a lot more prepared. But I could also see it like based on kind of what you were just saying, I could also see it being, again, if you were to give the trail a personality, yeah, Washington is sort of the start of the trail that's like, oh, you think you know what you're doing? Oh, let me yes. tell you. Oh, exactly. Yes. Oh, you think you're some badass through hiker. You think you're going to know you're going to just keep doing 30 miles a day. Like, you're right. Like, that's, it's seriously no joke. It's, I think, the most beautiful stretch of the trail, but it's definitely, um, I think you, you, you have to really pay attention. It, it rewards you with its beauty, but it also reminds you that you're only human. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it does. But it also rewards you, like you said, the beauty, but gosh, the solitude and mm. the really feeling like like there's still some, some open country out there. You can look out and you don't see roads, you don't see lights, you don't see towns. I think it's a really nice grand finale to get to experience more of a wilderness experience. I honestly can't say much of Campo, California to... <laughs> You know, Trout Lake, Washington is a wilderness experience, but, but in the Sierras, kidding. There are so many people in the Sierras. Like it's, uh, there's so many people there. If you're lucky enough to have a low snow year and you can, can, um, you know, get in and out when the clouds aren't there, it's amazing. But yeah, it's, it's still every bit as, as crowded. And then when you get to Washington, it's, it's it's nice to be able to go days or hours or whatnot without hearing or seeing another person and just really experiencing that just complete silence. Were you hiking with anybody else or a family or anything like that? No, no. I started out with a, with a friend and she was much faster than me. And so it was really hard to just to keep up with, with each other. You know, you don't want to be waited on and you don't want to be the waiter, but mm-hmm. You know, we hiked a few hundred miles together, but um, the rest of it, you know, I hiked, you, you hiked in the same days with people, but then they would have to, you might not see them for another month, but you know, I I was solo hiking uh, throughout the rest of it, which is a good way to, I think, a good way to go. I liked it that way. How was that decision or how difficult was that decision to split off, essentially to change your plans rather, yeah. I guess, radically? I think I think the thought process of it was hard because you know this is someone you started with. You don't want to um, damage a relationship or hurt their feelings. But you know when when we both considered what we were doing, like this was an, a huge experience, and we had both already given up so much just to be out there. You know, I'm not, we're, we weren't going to ask that of each other to continue to give things up for for each other i think it was kind of a you go do you you go hike your own hike i'm gonna go hike my own hike so it was a, it was an easy decision as far as as that goes and by then you know we had gotten familiar with the other hikers around us so you never mm-hmm. you weren't alone but the two, the two of us were very um independent women so being me, her being slowed down by me, and then me trying to catch up to her was, it was stressful. And, you yeah. know, there's enough stress out there. And we both realized we, this is silly. You know, we don't, we don't need that kind of stress. This is, this is a big enough t- undertaking. So let's, 
let's give it a try. And it was the best thing. We both, it really changed our hikes and for definitely for the better. We, we, we still go hiking every summer together and now, you know, have a, have a similar pace, but it was, it was the best decision for both of us. Did you, once you guys split up, did you run into her again or was she just that much faster that she was staying ahead? Uh, for for a little while, I was a day or so behind her, but then, oh my gosh, no, then she completely, I, there was no way I was going to catch her, but we did end up seeing each other in Stahican waiting for the bus. It was crazy. Really? Yes. I mean, that's, that's a lifetime away, you know, wow. um, after in the Sierras, I think Mammoth was the last place I saw her. And then the next time I saw her was in Stahegan. So oh, we were we were two totally different people and seeing each other just randomly standing there waiting for the bus was pretty fun. It was, it was awesome. So close to the end to see each other and kind of celebrate that moment and talk. And um, yeah, it was it was really great. Did you have any sort of, of beacon or inreach or anything like that with you? No, I didn't. Um, that was, I think the inreach was, was, or the spot was kind of popular when I did that. But no, I, I didn't. I didn't have any kind of spot device. And I still don't carry one. I, sometimes I think I should. But also, I promised my loved ones that... Um, I'm going to make good choices. Not that that's even prevents. <laughs> I'm just saying to keep, to give them peace of mind. Not, right. it's not my, it doesn't save you from anything, but at least it helps right. them not worry. Like I'm not going to do something. If something doesn't feel right, I just want you to know that I'll turn around. If something doesn't feel right, I just want you to know I'm going to make a decision for myself. So that helps. Not that it doesn't keep you from falling off a cliff or getting, you know. What they don't know won't hurt them. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think it gave them peace of mind for sure. What yeah. was the scariest or most uncomfortable that you were that you felt out there? The scariest was um, definitely Washington. Back when they had sections, this was Section K. Again, overconfident, thinking I was going to do uh, like 102 miles in four days. I failed to look at the elevation uh, loss and gain. I think that was like 36,000 feet. Um, yeah, I know. And I thought I was going to do it in four days, right? Because I can do that yeah, easy. No big deal. It's just four days. I was just looking at mileage. So my first day in it started raining it started freezing raining um snowing at higher elevations i got completely soaked like everything got soaked and one night it rained so hard it like, splashed into my tent and my sleeping bag got wet i was i was in a brain like everything i had was wet and i was saying and the only way to not be freezing was to be moving and i ran out of food um which was super scary. And I kind of knew I had maybe a day and a half of hiking left. And so, and again, the only thing I could do was keep walking. And that was really scary moment, <laughs> scary wake up call. Yeah. I remember, I remember not being able to move my hands. I couldn't unbuckle my hip belts. I just remember sitting under this tree crying like, oh my gosh, like you have to, I have to keep going. It's the only way I'm 
you know, I, I have to keep moving. Anytime I would stop, um, I would just start to freeze. So that was super scary. But luckily, the closer I got to town, I think I was about 15 miles and I met these two guys that were coming in, but then they decided to turn around and go back to their car and they hiked the last 15 miles with me. Like it was so awkward. I, I had to pee and I couldn't take off my, my fingers were so cold. I couldn't undo my hip belt. And I was like, um, confident, not prepared. And it was a, it was scary. It was definitely a, a wake up call. Like we had mentioned earlier too, that yeah. Washington can throw things at you that you thought you were prepared for. And within a day, it's, they're not. Overconfidence is what kills most people out there. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. And, you know, that was the closest I, I really had come in all of my backpacking experience. And then that moment of like, I should have known better. I should have known. What was I thinking? I wasn't. Um, yeah, I was overconfidence and, and it was a, a hard lesson learned, but I haven't let that happen twice. What kept you moving forward at that point? Um, at that point when I was freezing and, and hungry and soaked. And your fingers wouldn't move and my you fingers, couldn't get your hip like, off. And... No, like, like literally my fingers, like it was so frustrating not to be able to use your hands like it was so so frustrating but just I think that added to to one it added to the fear because all of a sudden your hands don't work and that's frightening like they will not work no matter how warm you make them they just they don't work and the only thing that kept me going was was knowing I had to get to a road I mean that that was my only that was my only chance I I had not seen anybody you know, this was this was a, when there were not very many people on the trail towards Washington, towards the end of everyone's through hike. And, you know, there was just nobody out there. And I remember hearing these guys' voices and I was like, okay, I'm going to be fine. I'm, I'm just hearing those voices. Usually I'm annoyed when I hear people talking. I was so excited. And I, <laughs> I started hiking as fast as I could because I knew they were ahead of me and I knew they were moving away from me. And so I just, I picked up the pace and caught up with them. And I, I kept my distance for a little while because again, I still had my pride. Like I didn't want to tell these guys, Hey, I'm, I'm in a bind and I need help. It was ridiculous. Like I was still, I was still embarrassed to admit that I had really put myself in a bind and needed some help. But Oh, Until that moment where you had to go, um, I had to pee. help me with my hip belt. It was, either, it was either pee my pants or have a stranger help me out. <laughs> yeah, it came down pretty much. So, um, cause I knew I was going to be riding in their car. I could have peed my pants, but <laughs> yeah, you know, you get really friendly with people. Once you start walking towards their car where, you know, they have, <laughs> where they have transportation. Yeah. All of a sudden you're best friends. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was an experience. <laughs> what time of year were you in Washington? It was the very end of September creeping into October. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that that time when anything can happen. Yeah, the, towards the literally towards the end of the season as you said. Yeah, I mean you just it's so unpredictable. So unpredictable up there. And it did yeah. snow. We did have a crazy freak snowstorm. Everything above 
5,000 feet, had about three feet of snow, and then we just waited a week and it all went. I didn't snow again for another couple of weeks. Yeah. Love me some Washington. I know. It's 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 a crazy, crazy place, but it's it's definitely beautiful. One of my favorite, favorite parts. Now, what was your best or most memorable moment or experience on trail? Oh, I have to pick one. <laughs> you have to choose one child. My best? What comes okay. to mind first? Okay, I think what comes to mind first, like I said, was my first day. That excitement, that adrenaline, that that really, that feeling of knowing I'm doing something that I was meant to do that felt 100% right. Like, gosh, that feeling, I don't know, just saying yes to yourself. That was really, really a, a clear moment for me that yeah, I'm going to do this more often. I'm going to let myself do what it is I really want to do. So that first day, knowing I had this huge adventure out in front of me was was one of my favorite days. Um, okay, every day waking up in this year was one of my favorites. Um, and then I have to say, gosh, my other favorite day. Um, I think probably mid one. I think it was probably Bill Rocks. I think. That was just some of the most epic, amazing, beautiful, just amazing. I just smiled that whole time, just being in such a beautiful place, feeling so happy and alive. I think the Goat Rocks were definitely, that was one of my best days. How did being on the trail, how did like the fear that you experienced on the trail and worked through on the trail Mm -hmm. and, you know, came out the other side and that kind of stuff, how did that change your experience of fear and your experience of of doing it in spite of fear um i think for first of all experiencing that fear that in itself like true fear i think that opened these places in my brain that um were now brought to reality you know just true fear of of i'm in a really bad um, in a really bad spot. That was, first of all, just experiencing that. I think anyone put in that, those kind of moments really shift something inside of you and you really start to address things differently. I don't know, maybe it makes you appreciate the, the time that you have, or but it's also humbling. Again, you think you're this badass through hiker. Oh yeah, I, I, I only have a few hundred miles left. Look what I've done. But I think it humbles you. And I not have had that having that experience i i don't think i would have ended with the same mindset had i not gone through some some frightening moments i think it really really made me appreciate what i had done and what i had accomplished even with a little slice of humble pie on the side i think <laughs> that was that made it a lot better humble pie with a scoop of ice cream is never a bad thing no it wasn't it's quite tasty I recommend it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it helped fill up for the hiker hunger. It does. It does. <laughs> but ha- I guess, have you found yourself coming off of trail? Let me, let me rephrase that. Particularly in relation to women, mm-hmm. you know, boys are taught to be tough. They're taught to face their fears. They're taught to, they're taught to 
jump off the roof and see if they can fly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Girls are not generally. Girls are taught to stay safe. Girls are taught to um, not explore the world in the same way. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, we get out on the trail and we do these amazing, crazy, badass things and we face fear. Yeah. Um, and then you come off the trail. How did you find yourself doing things, trying things that you wouldn't necessarily have done before you got on the trail and faced the fears and was were scared and still did it anyway and, mm-hmm. and all of that? Yeah, I think yeah, 100%. It, it changed you and, and kind of give, give you, gave you me a different drive, knowing I could do whatever I set my mind to knowing my body had the ability to do amazing things gave me a lot of confidence. And I, I think it, it 100% made me go out and try new things, go out and, and realize it's going to be okay. Whatever decision you make, you can make it work. You can do whatever you can sell everything you own and you're going to make it work. And, and being able to experience that as a woman definitely a lot made you kind of go off and and do new things. But also I had a system of other women who felt the same way that I didn't have before the trail. I met the most amazing women on the trail than I, you know, I'd met prior to, to doing that just because I don't know, women were interesting and, and making women <laughs> friends can be really Amen. hard. But when you other through hikers, you connect as women just on such an amazingly simple, different level. So I think I think we all inspired each other on trail, but having those relationships after the trail would I think it, it helps. It helps. It, it changes you a lot having those amazing relationships with other with other women that have gone through the same thing you have. It's so interesting to me. Maybe maybe I am in that stage of life where I'm more contemplative of this mm-hmm. or what have you. But women's experiences, yeah. my experience, yeah, you know, having those conversations is very, so very interesting to mm-hmm. me at this moment. Yeah. And and how that differs from a man's experience uh, yeah. is is really fascinating. And and I feel like we don't necessarily we're starting to more and more now, but but we don't necessarily always have that conversation. You yeah, know, it's not that one is better or worse. It's just it's different. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is different, and we experience it in different ways, but. I think one thing about through hiking and other through hikers is a lot of those lines that we have really start to fade between men and women. Um, especially now, now is like one of the most amazing times to be a woman in the backcountry, where where the, the playing field is really starting to level out, and you're able to those relationships, and you're able to hike right alongside men, and there's no judgment, there's no jealousy, like it's. I think it's it's a great way to experience the relationship between men and women because out there it's it's so much different than than it is. I keep saying the real world, but it's so much it is it's so much different. It's almost not the real world per se because on some level I guess you could almost say that the that the the through hiking experience is more real. Right. Yeah. You 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 are more real. Right. But right. Yeah, but it I, there's a it's there's they're two completely different places and 
yeah, I think the the difference in between the two is is incredibly distinct. But I'd have to say, between with the whole the whole man, the whole woman, the whole who can do this and who shouldn't and who couldn't, there's something about some hiking that really really just blurs those lines, and I think that's so fun to be able to experience. Is there anything that we should talk about that we haven't yet? Um, gosh, uh, I think we've talked some really interesting topics, interesting things. Um, I don't know. I think, um, you know, a lot of the questions you've asked me as far as memories and changing, and I know we talk a lot about on-trail, off-trail. I I feel like one thing that's been exciting for me is moving forward in my life, especially like with my P-RAGs. Um, Mm-hmm. It's my way of giving back. It's my way of staying connected. Um, and it's my way of making a difference. And it's it's something I have found that I can carry the trail with me. And I think that's important for people who might feel a little bit lost or might feel a little bit like, oh, there's only the trail and there's there's then there's not the trail. I think there's ways that you can can include the trail in your everyday life. It can be so many things, but you know, like I have with my little business, it's been my way of bringing the trail home um, to to the um, other realm, the other world. <laughs> it's it's been it's been my coping mechanism, and I, I think that's something that I would love to explain to people or share with other people is that you know, be creative in in the ways that you you live your life after the trail, and, and find ways to to bring it to bring it with you, you know, not just your trail name or, or your, um, habits, but, um, find ways to include it in your everyday life because that really, that really helps. What would you say? I mean, aside from the, the P-Rags and kind of this, this business that you've, that you've created, mm-hmm. how else have you captured or maintained the essence of, of Nurse Betty, of yourself on the trail, from the trail? I I think that I that I use a lot of reflection. I look back on maybe my accomplishments. I looked I look back on those moments uh when I feel like I could do anything and I look back and I remind myself, look at look at what you've done, look at how far you've come and I tap into that confidence a lot and try in, in a positive way and if I didn't have that now, I, I'm not sure what I would I would be, but it's it's definitely been a huge part of my everyday life being able to look back and remind myself that hey, I did this thing, I can do this thing, and it it I think helps with a lot of the decisions and a lot of day to day things for me. If that makes sense. <laughs> totally. I mean it. It's one of those. Th- things where you can always in yourself point to like when something happens and and something is scary or something is challenging or something is feels insurmountable or or whatever the adjective adverb verb whatever it is that you want to use for it yeah you can always point back to the trail and said I did this thing yeah 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 exactly it's something that is yours that nobody can take away it's your own experience it's your own memories and it's just this whole again, memory bank of just an amazing time in your life. And, and it's, it's nice to have that to 
romanticize, to think about and to apply and apply to every single day of your life because you're still the same person, you know. Where can people find you if they need a P-Reg and or want to follow your continuing adventures? <laughs> um, they can find me at wonderwomangear.com. I do have Instagram and I have a business account and then Jamie Siebold for my personal account. I do have a lot of fun adventures. I do a lot of random things. And so it's, I, I try to post as much as I can. Perfect. And it's Wonder Woman with an A, right? Singular? Yes, correct. Okay, well, have a wonderful evening. And links for Jamie's gear can be found on our website at hiking-through.com. Special thanks to Jamie for sharing her stories from the trail and Maya Wynn for the use of the song, Try Again. I am currently looking for stories. So if you have some to tell, please email me at hikingthroughpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can also DM me on Instagram at hikingthroughpodcast. And if you like what we're doing here, we'd love it if you'd find us on your favorite podcast provider, and leave a review. I'll see you on the trail.